go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, May the 19th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be doing what I consider to be one of the most important broadcasts that I've done on Law and Gospel. I've been talking about this for a few months, uh, and also working with the four congregations I'm helping with in giving them an understanding of how to interpret the scripture. It's more than interpretation. Uh, the, the two categories I like using is, it's easy to interpret the Bible. For example, it may say that when Jesus was on the cross, the temple curtain was split in two. Everybody can understand that but that's not sufficient. Can you imagine, and I had a field worker do this once, all he did was quote Bible verses throughout the whole sermon. It was actually pretty well done, but there was no application. The point we're trying to make here, and I, I get this to a great degree from Dr. James Veltz, he really has helped me in a number of areas. I used to believe that parables, for example, were always about the kingdom of God uh, and Jesus Christ. And he showed that the word parable doesn't always mean that. It can just mean a metaphor, etc. But Jim Belts did a commentary on the book of Mark, two volumes, and he did translation, not like any other translation you've seen, but he was making a point. And the point is pretty simple. When you read something, you're reading the marks on a page, and they're usually called words. It's even worse when you are doing it orally. For example, you may say to your children on a Saturday morning, we need a sale today. Well, the word sale, they're not going to understand. Are you talking about there's going to be a sale at Target and we're going to get some good deals? Or are you talking about we need a sale for a boat that we're going to go on a little cruise? So the word itself always has a second level, and, and that is a meaning. And if you don't understand the meaning, then you're not going to be able to get to the third level, and that level is very important. Now, Dr. Belts believed that the book of Mark is best heard, not read. And Louise and I, some time ago, went to the seminary where the entire book of Mark was spoken on a stage by five people, including James Veltz, and it was really quite interesting because there's a third level that we're talking about. We first of all have words that signify something, and a sermon should make it clear what the words mean. Then you have the meanings of the words. And finally, 
you need to tell what is not in the head of the people. So, so let's use one example on level one, two, and three. Level one, it's pretty clear the Bible says that when Jesus was on the cross, the temple curtain was split in two. Now, when members of a congregation hear that, they don't know if you're talking about what temple curtain. They may not even realize there was a temple curtain. And are we talking about the barrier between the worshipers and those outside, like Gentiles, uh, women, and those who were ill were not permitted to go into the main area of the temple to worship. They had another area where, by the way, the money changers set up all their tables. And that's why Jesus said, you made my house a den of murderers. Be that as it may, what is this temple curtain? So the second level is to explain the meaning of the temple curtain. And that curtain was a temple that divided the holy of holies from the rest of the temple. Remember, only the high priest on the Day of Atonement would go into the Holy of Holies to do sacrifices for the people and, and pray for them. And, and therefore, this gives a meaning to what Jesus is saying happens when he dies on the cross. The, that curtain is torn in two. Now, there's more to explain because on the curtain, there are a number of images of the solar system, the, the moon, the stars, etc. And there's an Old Testament verse that talks about the heavens will be opened. So what does that mean? That's where you get to level two. Uh, namely, you discovered level one, that's the word. You got to level two, now you have a meaning. But now, what difference does it make? A lot of sermons that I hear are ending at level two. And thinking that by explaining what the temple of the curtain is, that's all that's necessary. But there's a referent that the gospel writers have when they talk about the curtain of the temple being torn in two that's not in your head. In other words, level three is, how does this apply to the hearer? Uh, for example, you could say that the splitting of the curtain of the Holy of Holies means that we can now go into the Holy of Holies. But Scripture interprets Scripture helps us to understand primarily what the splitting of the temple curtain means. And there's a number of passages that help out. At the time of the Babylonian captivity, God left, it says, the Holy of Holies and went up on the mountain when the temple was being destroyed by the Babylonians. So that doesn't mean that people could go into the temple. It was being destroyed, had to be rebuilt. Or you take a look at the heavens opening 
at the baptism of Jesus. Does this mean that when the heavens opened and God the Father spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, does that mean we can now rise up into heaven? Is that what was happening at the baptism? No, it was God coming down to us. And then you remember the parable of the fig tree where Jesus curses a fig tree that has beautiful leaves on it, but no fruit. And as the Gospel of Mark says, it wasn't time for the fruit. Then why did he curse it? Because he was showing that the temple also will be cursed. It looked like a beautiful building. People were very happy with it. They did worship in it. They were able to sell their wares, etc. But no longer is God going to be in the temple as he was. That's the meaning of the splitting of the curtain, that God leaves the temple. Where does he go? Well, you cannot talk about this without talking about baptism, that in baptism, God now enters you. Now, you see, this is a third level of communication. And therefore, level one is just talking about words, and punctuation really counts. For instance, if I'm talking to my children and I'm holding, say, a avocado, they may not have seen an avocado before, I can say, that is a fruit. Now, it means differently if there is a question mark after it, where I would say, that is a fruit? Or without a question mark, it's just a declaration to the children. Yes, this also is a fruit. So punctuation really makes a difference. So when a pastor takes a look at a proper sermon, he sees, first of all, words on a page, and he sees punctuation. He now needs to give a meaning to those words. And it's really hard to do that because we're moving from Greek, Hebrew, sometimes Aramaic into English. And there are not identical words in the English to understand what the Greek is saying. I once did a little study on John 3.16, one verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Well, I went about 40 words to explain what, what God are we talking about? What kind of love are we talking about? What does it mean to perish? And by the end of explaining all that, you now had a meaning, but you're still not at level three. What's level three? The way I like to understand it, level three is how you apply the word and the meaning to the hearer. So in the Old Testament, the priest was the one who prayed on behalf of the people. In the New Testament, with the ascension of Jesus into heaven, 
he is now at the right hand of God. And therefore, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying to the right hand of God. And we're able to do that. We don't need another person like Mary to intercede for us. We go directly to God at the right hand. And, and so level three actually brings in an emotion. Uh, let's take a funeral, for example. The, the people at the funeral are in deep grief. Uh, perhaps a uh, young son or daughter died of an illness or a car accident, and they cannot understand it. Well, if, if the pastor says simply that the memory of that young person can be recalled by all of us, how they were very honest, everybody liked them, and you talk about the person, that's kind of level one and maybe level two. But level three gets into that which is emotional. And what are we talking about? That you will see your son and daughter again. When you speak on that level three, on the basis of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, what is happening is that you are changing the emotions of the listeners. And that's really what level three is all about. It's very important that I'm working with congregations who are calling a pastor, and it's very important that they call a pastor who is on the roster of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, because these pastors have promised to follow the accurate summary of the Bible as found in the Book of Concord, the Lutheran Confessions, and properly distinguish between law and gospel. I mean, you've got some real nuts out there. I, I just read a paper by a so-called theologian who talks about the real Jesus. And when he reads in the Bible, Isaiah 7:14, that Jesus was born of a virgin, he disagrees with that. He actually says, no, Mary became pregnant because she was accosted by a Roman soldier. Can, can you believe that? And, and therefore, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, is a lie. That's not true. You see, he has even left level two, not given the proper meaning of the virgin birth. But more than giving the proper meaning of the virgin birth, you then have to apply that teaching to the people in the pew. Why is it important that Jesus became incarnate? He became a human being for the purpose of taking upon himself our sin. That's why he was baptized by John the baptizer. And therefore, those in the pew who keep worrying, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven because look at all the sins I do. Well, the good news is that those sins are taken care of by Jesus on the cross. He paid the price 
So we are not held accountable for our sins when through faith in Jesus Christ, we believe the gospel promises of the forgiveness of sins and also that we are declared to be holy in God's sight. So when I do sermons, I always say to people, I've got two goals. The first goal is to tell you something you didn't know. And that usually is at level one or certainly level two, where you give the meaning of what they are saying, because that is important. But the meaning isn't sufficient. You now have to apply it to the hearer. And one's faith is critical in that. Because the point that you're making on level three is to impact the reader. For example, law and gospel is critical in understanding this. If you end a sermon with a salad or lettuce ending, that means let us, therefore, your people, you're putting people back under the law. Or if you end it with a French ending, may we, therefore, do this and do that. Sermons that end on a note, well, let's go out into the world and really show Jesus how much we love him. This is going to cause confusion in the minds of the people, as though the pastor is saying, well, you don't really are showing love to Jesus until you do something that's really nice. No, works don't count. To truly show love to Jesus is to believe in the promises of the gospel. And that love will make a huge difference. Now, it just so happens that my uh, opportunity to listen to YouTube, I, I normally take a look at old films that I really like, like Heartbeat. Uh, there were, um, how many of them? 372 issues. I'm up to about 350. I'll be done that pretty soon. But each one's 45 minutes and does a wonderful story, wonderful job. But I wanted to look at something different. And this you can look at. It's called The Most Elegant Change in All Pop Music. The Most Elegant Change in All Pop Music. And I started watching that, and I was thoroughly confused. Now, I can play the piano, but I did not have the kind of knowledge that this person was talking about. And what he was talking about is how composers can create an emotion within you by what they do with the music. And I, I'm reading from the book of Mark, the commentary by Dr. Veltz, and he actually talks about this. He says on level three, the gospel should seek to comfort and encourage in order to enable the readers to live in steadfastness and hope. You see, just by explaining the words in the Bible, that doesn't do that. It needs to be applied. 
Now, when I did, I, I wrote in the margin, like composing songs. People compose them to create emotions. Well, guess what? On the next page of Dr. Veltz's commentary, in a footnote, he's trying to help us to understand how Mark moves into really pragmatic pragmatism where it makes a difference in how you think about Jesus. And he's quoting from a, na a man named Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, and here's what he writes. He suggests that musical notation with certain chords and rhythms representing particular themes and movements is analogous to what we're talking about with hinge passages. It is of the very nature of such musical passages that their relationship to what proceeds and follows is really important. And then this sentence, just as a chord in music may be at once the resolution of one set of harmonies and the beginning of another. Now, this particular YouTube item called The Most Elegant Change in All Pop Music, he uses a number of composers to show what they do. My, my son Luther put out a uh, set of hymns with a synthesizer, and um, we, we sold a lot of them. One of them is Jesus Christ is Risen Today. After he wrote it, I went to him and I said, you know, is it possible that we could do this? And we did it, if you listen to the hymn. What we do on the last verses of Jesus Christ is Risen Today, we go up a semitone. It moves into a higher voice, a different key. And so I really like it. And emotionally, it was very satisfying. Now I understand why it is. Because when you go into a higher key, when you're composing a song, it's more bright. It's like the sun coming up in the morning. And if you go into a lower key, it's very dark. And it's emotionally satisfying but in a way that is not as emotionally satisfying as the higher key. So you can listen to a lot of songs, and this particular YouTube instruction was very helpful in that. Uh, it's called The Most Elegant Change in All Pop Music. I hardly understood any of it because of the verbiage, so I called my son, told him to listen to it, and then help me understand some of it. Another YouTube is Introduction to Modulations and Key Changes. And once more, uses many composers to give an insight into how the composers can really move your emotions in one way or another. Now, I'm thinking about that, and it suddenly hit me, that's really what Long Gospel is all about. If the sermon is law, giving you the impression that God loves you more by what you do, 
than by what you believe. It's kind of going to be a downer. Andy Bartelt once wrote a a wonderful essay on this and, and quoted from Martin Luther, who said, you know, a preacher who doesn't know Hebrew and Greek can get along for a while. You know, he can give some interesting sermons. But by not knowing the Hebrew and the Greek, you don't get the nuances of the text. And that's not expressed to the people. And so after a while, they get kind of bored with the sermons. They're all kind of the same, saying the same thing. Whereas by knowing the nuances of the Greek and the Hebrew, just read some of Dr. Veltz's translations, which are really quite different than anything else you can read. But boy, are they ever good at bringing out the right emotions. So what we're talking about is when you listen to a sermon, there should be a level one just giving the meaning or just the word itself. Then the level two gives a meaning. And level three is where the pragmatics come in, where you move the emotions of the listener. And so I've always said in my sermons, I like to do two things. The first is to tell them something that they were unaware of. That's level one, level two. But the third thing is leave them on a high note. And oftentimes, we'll talk about why they can be sure that heaven is their home. And I do that by making clear at the end of every sermon that this is the gospel. The gospel which comforts you and helps you get through your daily tasks, knowing that Jesus is present with you. So that's kind of a quick explanation of how sermons should be done on a level one, level two, level three, according to Dr. Belts. And I really agree with that. And I would hope that you'll hear a proper long gospel sermon. In fact, we're going to do that with Pentecost tomorrow with Wes. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.